All right, we are in this new series called Joseph. And I love the fact that we get to hang out with some characters in God's word. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like the difference between seeing somebody at like Walmart or Kroger or going to their house. You know, if you just see somebody in the community, you say, hey, how you doing? Shake their hand, maybe have a quick conversation, and then you go on. But if you go to somebody's house and, and you have dinner with them or lunch with them, and you get to have lots of conversations. Uh, Suzanne and I, just yesterday, we got a chance to uh, go over to somebody's house, uh, people in our church, and we, I think we spent like three hours <laughs> over there in the afternoon, and we just loved the, the conversation, loved the stories, and, um, and really felt like we got to know this couple even better. And so that's kind of like what we're doing with these characters. With these biblical characters, we are able to Say, I want to hang out with you. I want to get to know you. I want to know what your story is and how your story fits in with my story and, what, and why your story is in God's word. Have you ever wondered that? Why some stories made God's word and some didn't? And obviously when we get to heaven, all of that will be fully known and understood. But just to get to know them more. Well, we're focusing on, on Joseph and, the, and, and it's all about living the dream. Because God gave Joseph a dream. He actually gave him a couple of dreams, as we saw at the beginning of a story. And those dreams, those two dreams had the same meaning. It was about his brothers bowing down to him. But actually, it was even bigger than that. That was just a sign of what was really happening in Joseph's life, or what was going to happen in Joseph's life. You see, God was going to bless Joseph and and give him so much favor that he was going to elevate Joseph to the point to where people, even his own family, would bow down to him. Now, for those who, uh, who are obviously part of a family or you have brothers or sisters, if you get to the point to where your brothers or sisters are bowing down to you, then you're pretty much in the highest point you could ever be, right? And so Joseph was given that dream, and God wanted him to live that dream. But as we found out in the first week, we found out there was an obstacle. And that's really what this whole series is about, is how those obstacles stand in the way of our dreams. Because just like Joseph, God has given each and every one of us a dream. He's given us something that we are striving towards. Maybe you've shared it with someone. Maybe you haven't. But you have something in your heart, in your life, that is driving you, that is driving you. And I'm not talking about those evil passions, of course. But I'm talking about those, that dream of something you want to do that's bigger than yourself or something you want to do that you know is, is deep within inside you. And you don't really know how to live it out, how to flesh it out, but you know that God is calling you to live that dream. But there's obstacles, aren't there? There's lots, lots of obstacles. In fact, there's people in this world who are just going through life just floating around through life with no purpose. Why? Because they've allowed obstacles to get in the way of their dream. And, and, and more importantly, they, they're not connecting with the God who's giving them that dream. And so the first week, we talked about the obstacle of rejection with Joseph last week. He was rejected by his brothers. You know, he was a favorite one. And his brothers saw him coming, and it's like they had enough of it, and they were out in the middle of nowhere, and, and they were like, okay, let's just, 
Let's just get rid of him. So they sold him off to slavery, told his father that he was killed by animals. And so he was rejected. And we saw that and how rejection could, can stand in the way of the dream. Maybe you're, you're sitting here today. You have, you have some rejection in your life. Maybe you have that dream of losing weight and that scale keeps rejecting that, all right, that you're standing on that. Yeah, or maybe, maybe you have this dream of, of wanting an, a certain position at your job and you get rejected time and time again. Maybe, maybe somebody else is coming in, uh, in, in your place and you want, to, you want to have that and you feel like, God, I just want to do better. You want to have a, your dream is, is to do better financially. Maybe you have a more generous heart, but your bank account is rejecting that and even... Some things in life that step in are rejecting that. So whatever it is that's causing rejection in your life with whatever dream it is, be a better parent, better marriage, you know, whatever it is, there's going to be rejection. But just like Joseph, how did Joseph handle that? And how did Joseph respond? Did Joseph allow the rejection to move him away from God's dream? And so we finished up last week talking about the fact that Joseph had rejection and that he was walking towards Egypt with the fact that his brothers had rejected him. And what is he going to do about it? So that's where we left Joseph with the obstacle of rejection. And this, he had a choice to make. This choice would reveal how he handled the obstacle of rejection. And you and I also have a choice. When we are rejected from following the dream that God's given to us, we have a choice to make with how we handle that rejection. Because some of you have stopped your dream dead in your tracks because of obstacles. So um, what kind of choice did Joseph make? We're gonna be in Genesis chapter 39 as we continue in this story. And we're in verses one through six. And, um, and so Joseph has gone, been sold into slavery in Egypt. And so this is where we pick up, verse, 30, uh, verse one, chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, so pretty, pretty high person, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, I'm gonna stop right there. That phrase is key to what we're talking about today. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. So not only is he a slave anymore, he's like his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and, all, and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not 
concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, I'm just going to stop at that point right there. So, Joseph, it says in there that Joseph had the Lord near to him. The Lord was with Joseph. So that right there is, is, is showing that on the journey from his family's land in Canaan to the Egyptian empire as a slave, Joseph had lots of time to think. And because of his rejection, that obstacle, he had a choice to make. And because we see in Potiphar's house, when he was sold into slavery, that Joseph was was honoring God, and the Lord was with him. Now, this is very important for you to understand, because God will never leave us or forsake us. But let me tell you something. If you're pushing God aside, if you're living your life on your own, and you don't need the counsel of the Lord, you're pushing him aside, the Lord is not going to be so near to you. Now, in times of trouble, he's there if you call upon his name. But the Lord is not going to be near you if you keep pushing him away. So that right there is proof that Joseph settled in on the fact that his rejection was actually part of the dream. Because as we talked about last week, if he was never rejected, then he would never have gone to Egypt and never have ultimately been second in command And to be able to save that region of the world and, of course, his family. And to fulfill the dream that God had given to him. And so, when we are walking in our dream, the isolation, such as rejection, can cause you to push the Lord away. Don't allow that to happen. Joseph gives us the great example. And so, in verse 2. It, what we just read, remember this statement, the Lord was with him. We, uh, uh, he did not allow his current situation to affect his chosen destination. In verse three, uh, Joseph gained success. Why did Joseph have success? Because the Lord was with him. Even Potiphar, who didn't believe in God, recognized that there was something different about him. People in your life, at your work, at your school, students, on the sports fields, they're going to notice, hopefully, that there's something different about you. They're going to notice that, you know, that person does not walk by themselves. There's some sort of higher power that walks with them. Or there's some sort of presence about them that I can't put my finger on it. They know there's something different. Why? If you and I keep the Lord near to us. And that is so important, even during our, um, our obstacles. So they not be, may not be able to see it or explain it, but they can see you have made a choice to honor God and to keep him near to your heart. In verse 4, it talks about uh, he gained favor. Joseph gained favor in Potiphar's eyes. Why? Because the Lord was with him. He had blessings on the Lord. Joseph gained blessings of God. God blessed Joseph in everything he did. It talks about that in verse five and six. He got to the point to where God's blessings were pouring out so much that, that he, he was placed into, a, into second in command in the house. He was put in charge of everything 
He was trustworthy. Why? Because the Lord was near. He did not allow, he did not allow his current situation, his current obstacle, his current rejection to affect his chosen destination. And so he goes on, and we're going to see this take place even more, because as Joseph gets on in life, just like all of us, when things are going well, when, when, the, when the Lord is near to us, we're going to fall into an opportunity to make an even bigger choice, and we're going to see that in this next part, verses 7 through 10. Verse 7 through 10. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife, so Potiphar's wife, Mrs. Potiphar, took notice of Joseph. Now you gotta understand, Joseph is about maybe 17, 18, 19 years old, around this time. She said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Notice he doesn't say, how can I do such a wicked thing and do something bad against Potiphar, my boss? Ah, where's his priority? Who does he want to please? Is he trying to please man or trying to please God? He's trying to please God. So how can I do this wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to him, Joseph, day after day. So it was multiple temptations. He refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. So Joseph was faced with a temptation. Joseph was faced with a choice to make. And that choice was this. Do I allow this woman to please this woman? Do I allow her into my life? Do I, do I allow to do this, this sinful act with this woman? Or do I please the Lord? Do I please God? So he wanted to please God first. The fact that time after time after time, this woman kept coming to him with this temptation. And the fact that time after time after time, Joseph said, no, I'm not going to allow it shows that the Lord was with Joseph. He showed that the Lord was with Joseph. And he refused to go with her. So does he have the choice? Does he allow the rejection to rob him of his dream? Does he allow the rejection that he has as his brothers to rob him of his dream? Because if he, if he sulked in that rejection, and, and if he pushed God aside, guess what would have happened? He would have fallen right into that temptation. Let me tell you what, folks. The reason why 
Many of us fall into the same temptation time and time again because you lost sight of the dream. You lost sight of the person God has wired you to be and you lost sight of the dream that God put in your heart because you've allowed obstacles to take the place and because of that, yeah, I, wanna, I really don't want to have anything to do with the, this dream giver, this God in my life. So you push him aside a little at a time. And then you're left all alone with the temptation that you can't handle on your own. And you're on your own. Why? Because the Lord's not with you. The Lord is not with you. The Lord was with Joseph. He did not allow that rejection, that obstacle of his dream to stand in his way. And let me tell you what, temptation is gonna come. Oh, it will come. And it comes with reckless abandon. And it will come to you. And how we deal with temptation all depends on if the Lord is with us. Again, the Lord will never leave us, will never forsake us. When we call upon him, he's there. But when we push him aside and on your own, God's like, okay, well, if you want to walk on your own, you can go and do that. I, I'm over here, but there's some, there's some places you're walking around now that are pretty dangerous, but you don't want my input, so it's okay. I know we can't find that, those exact words in God's, you know, God's word, but that's, that's what he's essentially saying. Look, if you want to go on your own, and he, he shares that in story after story in God's word. I believe Joseph would not have made the right choice to abstain from this woman if he had not made the choice to keep God near to his heart in the middle of rejection. And so temptations will be an obstacle for you and me. Temptations are an obstacle. It's a second obstacle. We have rejection, we have temptations. When we fall into temptations, then we have shame, and we have guilt, we have this, this burden, and we don't even want to even go to God to, for forgiveness, because he's like, you know, I think he's tired of hearing the same confession time and time again, which, by the way, he's not, because his grace is more sufficient than you can ever imagine, but we think that God, it's amazing how we think what God thinks, right? Our, his ways are higher than our ways. There's no way we can think like God thinks. Our feeble little mind are the size of an ant ant brain compared to, to what our brains are. And so we can never understand the ways of God. And so it's amazing how we think that God will not have anything to do with us because we keep going to him with our confessions, with the same thing time and time again to where we're like, you know what, if it, if it were me, I wouldn't listen to me. Well, good, good thing you're not having to listen to people come before you with confessions because you aren't God and I'm not God and our love can never be compared to the love of God. You cannot fathom the love of God. You cannot fathom the grace of God. And so you fall into temptation you wallow in your sin and your shame and your guilt, and guess what? Obstacle. Huge, big boulder in the path, in the way of what? Your dream. Of doing what God has called you and only you to do with your life. 
Your dream is wired specifically to you, to your gifts, to your abilities, to your passions, to your story, to the people around you. You are wired specifically for the dream that God has put there. And you don't let, please don't let, rejection and temptations to get in the way. And the way that temptations get in the way, we fall into them. And why do we fall into them? Because God is not near. Because we push him aside on this journey to our dream. But a Joseph's story doesn't stop right there. Oh, there's more obstacles. We're going to be talking about more obstacles as we get on all the way up until the Sunday before Easter. As we look and we hang out with Joseph. But there's another obstacle we're going to look at, we're going to look at today. There's another obstacle that happens right after that. And we find it in Genesis chapter 11. Sorry, Genesis chapter 39, verse 11 through 12. And it says this. One day he went out into the house to attend to his duties. And none of the household servants was inside. Hmm. She, Mrs. Potiphar, caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me, exclamation point. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. So let's skip on down to verse 16 through 20. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the story. So Mrs. Potiphar has got a piece of his clothing, Joseph's clothing, and the husband's home. So she tells the husband this story. That Hebrew slave, so again, he's not a slave. He's an attendant. He's been elevated from a slave to an attendant. You know, the accuser will go back to, to naming you what you used to be. Isn't that amazing? She's an accuser. She's about to accuse him of something, and that's what the accuser does. He tries to go, go back to your life and rewind in your life and say, no, 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 no. This person's not walking in victory. This person's not walking in their dream. This person has done this. And so it's amazing how the accuser will remind you that, of the person you used to be. I was a planning saying that, but I just caught that. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to one came to me to make sport of me, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, "This is how your slave treated me." He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison. We're going to stop right there. Because there's even more. So, Joseph has faced the obstacle of rejection. He's faced the obstacle of temptation. And he's, he's won the obstacle of temptation. Make good for Joseph. There was nobody in the house. He's, this, this probably beautiful woman probably barely dressed, time after time after time is, is calling to him. And, you know, her husband's nowhere, probably on a trip somewhere else in Egypt. And he could do whatever he wants. 
But he's not trying to please Potiphar, you see. He's trying to please God. He wants to please God. He's a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. And there's a higher power, there's a higher authority there than Potiphar. But he passed that obstacle of temptation. But there's another obstacle that happens. And that's the obstacle of accusations. That's the obstacle of accusations. Um, one thing we can see in Joseph's situation here with, this, with Mrs. Potiphar, we can see this, that whenever you and I are faced with temptations, so that those temptations do not, do not fall on, onto accusations, you've got to observe your surroundings. You have to observe your surroundings. We will often be falsely accused of something when we face temptations. When we are being tempted, it's important to realize the potential accusations that can happen. Even with Joseph making the right choice, he didn't realize something about his surroundings. Accusations strive when no one is watching. When temptations surround you, observe your surroundings. Joseph, as we saw in the story, walked into the house and nobody was there. No, no servants. Mrs. Potiphar probably dismissed them. He needed to observe his surroundings. Now, he didn't do anything sinfully wrong. He just, he's just a young guy, you know, barely an adult maybe, older teenager, just didn't realize. we got to watch our surroundings. Students, you need to watch your surroundings. You need to watch and see who you're hanging out with, the friends that you want to hang out with, where are they hanging out at? What's happening? Okay, adults, watch your surroundings. When you're with someone of the opposite gender, watch your surroundings. I'm never in a car with another woman except for my wife, my mom, and my daughters. That's it. That's it. I don't do that. Why? Because I don't want to be driving around town and somebody see me and accuse me of being with another woman in my car. Okay? Even though I'm not really doing anything wrong, but the accusations will fly. You've got to be aware of your surroundings. That's huge. Keep your distance. Joseph already knew of the temptation. He had refused her time and time again, but he got too close for comfort. If he was close enough for her to grab his cloak, he was too close. He was too close. Obviously alone in the house and was too close. Uh, don't trust your accuser. I, I often wonder why Joseph uh, didn't meet Potiphar first in order to explain the situation about Mrs. Potiphar. Man, if this happened to me and she had my clothes, I'd be there waiting at the door for Mr. Potiphar and say, Mr. Potiphar, this is, this is what happened. And, and I swear, this is what happened. But we don't see that from Joseph. Joseph's like, well, she's got my cloak. You know, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, but never underestimate the power of the accuser. And let me tell you, not only are there people in your life who want to accuse you, and some of you have probably been falsely accused of things in your life, but understand this, 
that there's an even greater accuser called Satan who wants to accuse you time and time again and don't underestimate his ability and his power to accuse you. But because of the cross and because Jesus rose on the third day and because he beat death, hell, and the grave and the cross, he was able to have victory for us and we can walk in that victory and no longer be accused by the great accuser. So don't trust your accuser. Don't trust your accuser. You need to go to them, get records straight. You need to go to them and say, okay, I, I want to make it clear to something. You and I had this conversation, and I want to make it clear that this is what was said. And before they go to somebody else, you need to go to others and say, okay, this is what happened, and I need to make sure that you understand. Or if you're in a conversation, bring in a third person. That way there's, there's no there, there's no one else there to, to, to accuse you from that. There's, you're basically taking away the power of the accuser. So Joseph was falsely accused of assault. You may have been falsely accused. Sudas, maybe you've been falsely accused of, of not turning your homework. But you're like, man, I turned it in. It was in your inbox. You know, I, I, I know I put, it, I put it there. Or maybe you're, you've been falsely accused for not working as many hours at, at work or or maybe you're at the wrong place at the wrong time and you're falsely accused of something. But whatever it is, the accusation can become an obstacle to your dream. How you respond to false accusations will determine your next position. How you respond to false accusation will determine your next position. It happened with our church when we were getting um, our conditional use permit, going before the city council. We had some person in the community, just one family, who decided, you know, they wanted to talk about how we shouldn't be on that property. And this one family, out of all the families in Emerson, accused us of some things, accused me of some things, of saying, oh, this church, they, they only... They're only going around these people on 4th Street just because they want that property. Where have they been? They're not in the community. And I'm like, what? We're so much in the community. Of course, I didn't say anything. I held my lip because I know it's truth. I know that the reason why we went to the, the people on 4th Street, because we cared about them, we cared about their feelings, and we wanted to get their concerns, and we showed them the, the, the map of what, we're, what we'd like to do on the property, and we asked them, what of this concerns you? And we prayed with them. Our students went to one of the houses, and, and some adults and students, and got, you know, cut off some branches and trees that had fallen in the house with the last the, the last frost and the ice storm. I mean, we're, we're doing things. We've got other projects lined up to go and help some people. But I, it just really bothered me that someone accused our church for doing something, and it's not our heart. It's not my heart. And I, I had to struggle with that a little bit. And finally, God said, look, Frank, that's just the enemy working through somebody else. That's the accuser. You don't need to listen to that because that's not who you are and that's not who Lake Point Church is. That's not my bride. My bride does not act like that. 
And Lake Point Church does not act like that. And so I moved that aside. But just sharing you an example, even with our church. So if you've been falsely accused, if people are talking about you, spreading rumors about you, don't let that get in the way of walking towards your dream. That is just the enemy working against you. That is a huge obstacle in your life. So Joseph, he, how did he respond to that? He responded with the desire to please the Lord. Joseph knew that God saw him not as a rejected loser or as an adulterer. He did not accept the rejection or the false accusation. And how do we know that? <laughs> verse 21 through 23. I love this. Chapter 39, verse 21 through 23. It says this. But while Joseph was there in prison, 21, the Lord was with him. There it is. There it is. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put, put Joseph in charge of all that held, uh, those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Why? Because Joseph chose to allow God into his life close to him, and he did not push God aside. He did not say, why did, the God, why did God allow this? Why are these false accusations against me? Why am I doing this? I, I've done great things for God. I keep serving him, and, and he, he keeps pushing me down. And, and if he allowed that obstacle to get in the way, then he would have just sulked and died in prison instead of what we're going to see next week, which you don't want to miss. We're going to see next week what's going to happen. But Joseph kept God near. The Lord was with Joseph. Let me ask you a very important question. Is the Lord with you today? Can you honestly say that God is with you today? Can you honestly say that you're walking in, in the presence of God? Now, I'm not saying you're living a perfect life because nobody in this room, including the person talking right now, is living a perfect life. But is God near to you? Are you inviting him into your day? You may have accepted him as Savior, but it's easy to accept him as Savior and just walk your own life. God is saying, look, I want all of you I want to fill you with all that I am. And the only way that can happen is for you to draw God near to you. For you to say, God, you're welcome into my day, into my decisions, in my conversations, in my thoughts, into all of these things. Fill me with all that you are. Take time. Spend time with God in his word. Sit in quietness. I know it's hard. We got a lot of kids in our house. We got a lot of people in our house. I understand but find that time where you just say, okay, God, just speak to me. Speak to me. What do you want? What are you trying to tell me? Because let me tell you, God wants to be near to you. If you keep falling into, into temptation time and time again, it could be 
that you're pushing God aside. If you haven't, haven't handled rejection well, if you haven't handled false accusations of people talking about you, spreading things about you, if you haven't handled that well, it could be because you're pushing God aside. Be like Joseph. Allow God to draw near. The Lord was with Joseph. Is the Lord with you? And if you're sitting here today, say, Frank, I need, I need just God to fill me up. We're going to have it. We're going to sing a song. You all know it. It talks about what an amazing, incredibly good father our God is. He's like a wonderful father. Maybe a father you never had. A father who is loving and gentle and gracious and wants to just hold you. And he's right here. So the altar's open. And if you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior, if you've never said, you know, I need Jesus to be Lord in my life. I need something or somebody to forgive me of my sins, to help me with this junk in my life. We're here. I'll be standing down in front. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. We're going to sing a song. The altar's open. Sing, pray. Let's just have the Lord draw near to us right here today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we, we come before you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you Father, our good Father, you long to hold us in your arms. You long to be near to us. You long to spend time with us, to hang out with us. But Lord, many times we push you aside. We push you astray. So Lord, forgive us for those times. Lord, when we are falsely accused and we are, we are holding on to that rejection of those feelings, and we feel like we're not worthy, Father, let us draw near to you. Let us draw near to you. Lord, be our saving grace in those times of temptation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand up. The altar's open. Let's sing. Let's pray.